Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We review the first race of the Formula E season and ask if the new car and new rules are a success. The 2018-19 ABB FIA Formula E Championship season opener in Saudi Arabia last Saturday marked the start of a bold new era for the all-electric championship. New arrival BMW took victory on debut with Antonio Felix da Costa and we had new cars, new rules, lots of interesting talking points. I should say apologies if you had to wait a few days longer than planned to hear this podcast about the latest from Formula E. This is actually our second attempt to record the podcast, but some technical problems meant we uh, we couldn't release it. So this is our second go, and I'm sure it'll be all the sharper because of it. Uh, I'm your host, Ed Stewart, and joining me is Alex Kalanorkas, our Formula E correspondent, freshly back from Saudi Arabia. And I should say, well, last time I spoke to you when we first recorded this, you were in the, in the media centre, and it seemed to be being demolished around you. So I'm quite pleased you haven't had um, anything landing on you as the, the roof caved in or so there's all sorts going on yeah there were several uh, large almost perhaps not structurally uh, you know structurally load-bearing walls being taken out but there were certainly very large pieces of equipment coming past us as, as we recorded it and yes there was complete technical failure on the recording front which i'm going to take 95 percent of the blame for i don't think 100 percent, but 
it was largely my fault, yes. Yeah, well, I'm quite happy to take 5% of the blame. I think uh, it's, it's a, we it's share a blame collaborative. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Technical problems happen to the best of us. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sure next time we'll, we'll Marrakesh is the next round. So I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll bring a little bit more sharply from that one. Well, let, let's get into it. Before getting into the specifics of the race, Alex, what's the general impression of the new Formula E, particularly new cars? It's It seems to be quite a nice, promising start. Absolutely. I think, you know, we've already discussed how great the cars look and, you know, how they sort of performed in testing. But there was a little sort of maybe an air of uncertainty ahead of the race. You know, would would there be five finishers? You know, would would the technology ultimately uh, not work or would the, the new race format and attack mode, would that prove to be a bust? But the the race allayed all those fears it was just as close and exciting as it ever was um didn't miss the pit stops the car swaps i you know it was only afterwards you sort of thought ah actually yeah that was that was a big exciting element that didn't happen uh the attack mode i thought it worked very well i know um i know you had a problem with the graphics and the way it was laid out it it did it did the graphic did suggest because it was kind of placed above the the attack mode uh zone because it's a a part on the right hand side of the track so the drivers had to pull to the right after coming through a right-hander wasn't it and drive through a kind of little lane in, in order to do it and the graphic was above it but it made it look like you had to drive into a tree in order to in order to get uh, the uh, the attack mode uh, which maybe that was just me finding it uh, finding it amusing but i'm sure i can make that that uh, clear in the future indeed and uh, i know and one of the benefits of our disaster of recording the first podcast mean that um i can give you a little bit of insight from fe ceo and soon to become chairman of formula e alejandro agag who i spoke to after our first uh, failed recording uh, who suggested that there might be little tweaks to attack mode maybe giving the drivers a little bit more power um, but the main complaint from the drivers at the weekend was that they were losing a lot of time uh, to, to go into the attack mode zone and being racing drivers they were unhappy because it was this. quite a pronounced you had to kind of lift to take quite a sharp turn yeah across. so it, it came off there was a long right-hander and the attack mode zone was located sort of on the on the inside away from the natural racing line so if you're going around the corner you want to come out wide and carry all your momentum onto the straight so what they were having to do was sort of slow down to make sure they got into it and actually Jose Maria Lopez who had a we should say a superb race for Dragon a little bit unexpected considering where you know what we didn't see of them in pre-season he went very wide to try and you know minimise the amount of time he lost going into his hat mode zone got onto some dust uh, hit the barrier with the uh, left rear of his car, not picked up by the TV cameras, and that was actually what caused the damage that caused his retirement from the race later on. Took a few laps to have a sort of catastrophic failure, um, but he he missed his hat mode zone, so it's he's very tricky. They'd, um, they'd moved the zone, hadn't they? After yeah, after what little qualifying there was. After there was. yeah, after the main complaints came after shakedown and the drivers having the uh, uh, um, uh, their track walk, and what they did was uh, move 23 meters further up the straight, so they had a little bit more time to get around more of the corner before they had to go in but he certainly seemed to work i appreciate we've gone into very specific details of the race when we were sort of supposed to be talking about well, no, the, well, the, but the, the, the attack mode the it's, it's a it's a big part of it isn't it that's that's the strategic variation almost that's that's there to replace the the car swap so it's it's quite integral uh, uh, i would say so it's, it's worth delving into indeed and I, I thought it worked very well um some some suggestions that maybe it was a little bit too complex for new viewers uh, stuff like that but i thought you know generally it provided more of a spectacle than just the cars running around for 45 minutes plus one lap behind each other they were certainly added that little bit of intrigue and twisted uh, uh, intrigue and information i must admit the whole thing about whether viewers get confused it's not that complicated a concept is it it's you know the, the idea of a uh, having a couple of minutes of extra pace i mean it is it's it's Mario Kart, isn't it? Which is what that, that uh, description we keep coming back to. I would have thought people, they may, they may have been slightly confused by the labelling of the of the zone and that, that could have been explained better or whatever. But the actual concept of twice a race, you get to have a bit more power and go on the attack. I don't think that's 
Yeah, it's especially not, it's not overly thing. complicated. And it's interesting that going back to the Mario Kart thing, if you fit, if you, I get, we've covered this many times, I haven't played Mario Kart, but it's an instant boost of speed, right? Well, as Tom Dillman pointed out to me ahead of the race, that's not how Formula E works. It's not like um, the, the power is frozen or the energy level is frozen as soon as you enter that zone. You're still using and spending energy. So it's not quite a complete, a, a perfect analogy because you're, you, you're still, you, okay, you, you can go, you can have more power, but you're not saving energy. So you're not actually going that much faster. You see what I mean? So that's, that's something that may, they can maybe look at. But yeah, we understand that maybe a little bit more uh, attack mode power will be made available for the drivers, but um, we'll have to wait and see how they plan on doing that. And we did seem to see a little bit of variety in terms of how people used it. Some people, we saw um, Turvey and Dillman use it quite early. They were down well down the order, so they obviously just decided, well, let's let's try and get a bit of track position. They did make up a few a few places. We didn't see much of them, but I, th- I did see, I think we saw them climb a, a, a few spots, and we saw others. Mitch Evans, for example, who finished fourth for Jaguar, he had... He, used the kind of clear air approach um, so he had quite a big gap and, and just decided to bank some time effectively and then we saw late on under the safety car very I mean because you have to use both attack modes don't you you do yeah, you're, you're, if you get to the end of the race and you haven't used both you believe so yes you, you get penalised or disqualified I guess so that, I know they kind of had to do it but it's quite a good time to do it wasn't it if, you're, if you've got a safety car restart coming up take it and then you've got the extra power on the restart just quickly before that i want an interesting thing on dillman who managed to get disqualified from qualifying twice which is quite impressive one for uh, not respecting the format because he just went out and did loads and loads of laps and also because uh, the data logging sensors that the fa require in the cars were missing on both neo cars or according to the stewards doc they were, i think they were missing um so yeah so twice he was uh, removed from qualifying uh, but anyway um back to the attack mode um yeah it's a really nice way of, of, of approaching it differently um much praise for Mitch Evans I think he sort of uh, took it quite easy in the early stages saved his energy and then really nailed it so he was quite on the attack late on and getting fourth you know it was you didn't really see it much on on the TV broadcast but that was a very impressive drive from Evans and yeah I really I was really impressed by how like DaCosta and Vern at the end of the race they waited until the lap they knew the safety car was coming in so they activated it immediately so they could just be straight on the gas and that really benefited them and it actually made it really tricky for the Nissan guys so we saw Sebastian Buemi going backwards towards the end of the race and Oliver Rowland had a really good scrap an impressive scrap I think we should come on to Rowland later on and he had a very impressive uh, not quite full debut but certainly full season debut as it were um he was actually uh, defending hard against the Audis who had the attack mode on and Roland apparently had uh, accidentally left it in a safety car setting that meaning he had, meant he had even less power available uh, but the fact that the, the Nissans had used their attack mode earlier in the race meant that they had nothing to defend so it does it really does bring that level of variance and how about the general Im- impressions of the car at, at times I don't know if it's down to the track configuration because it was a slightly atypical Formula E circuit Formula E circuits tend to be quite generic shall we say in terms of the layout if not the surroundings because they are city centres uh, generally but we saw some slightly quicker bits of it but it did look like at times the cars seemed to be moving around a little bit more they they probably I mean people always criticise Formula E for being slow the cars were never really slow okay yeah by Formula 1 standards they, they are but you know they're still pretty quick racing cars but they did look a bit livelier at times just purely for me watching at home on television mm, completely yeah the track uh, someone it was Dillman who said it was a Suzuka with walls ahead of the race because of the flowing section in sector one uh, and uh, yeah as you say that's not typical of Formula E circuits but what was nice was that there was a lot of a uh, lot of uh, not not moaning but sort of like ah oh, it's maybe because basically what Formula E have done with the Gen 2 car is that it's got active braking on the rear on the rear brakes so um, brake by wire and uh, several drivers ahead of the season and, and sort of team people involved in the in the sport like yeah it's actually going to make it easier for the drivers and 
judging by what we saw in Saudi Arabia, okay, it was sort of wet and there was not very much grip early on, but when they were in attack mode and they were really going for it, the cars were still very lively, still really wrestling it, especially coming out of that 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 corner leading on to the main straight where the attack mode was placed. You know, they were really sort of fighting the rears at times to, 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 to keep it going. So it's still, it's kept all the good elements of Formula E, which was, it's a very close, very, very competitive championship. And also it's very difficult as well. And that, that's, that can only be a good thing. It was interesting because we got used to, in old Formula E, with the car swaps, there was kind of this phase in the start of the race where everything went a bit quiet because people were saving energy. And and I was watching the uh, the Saudi Arabia race and there was a point where I thought, it's all just settled down a little bit after a few laps. And I thought, oh, is this just going to just get, become a little bit flat for a longer period of time? And there was a little bit of a concern that it might not entirely work, but it seemed to then pick up after that. It'd be interesting to see over a bigger sample set of races how often this happens because obviously there were we'll get onto this there were some penalties etc that that changed things around a bit but it did seem that that objective to create some variability and some strategic interest now that the car swap's gone seems to have been a at least an initially a, a qualified success mm, i agree with that i i do wonder whether um you know as you say we need to see more races but it did seem to, see, to be like the front runners were waiting to use their attack mode so eventual race winner antonio felix de costa didn't use his first one until the safety car actually appeared first of well all, it's logical i guess to if you're near the front because of the risk of safety car hold on to it you'd want to hold yeah. on to it whereas you've got less to lose if you're further back exactly but then they that they run the risk of knowing that there's almost always a safety car or a full course yellow in formula e so it's it, it's it's an, it's added a nice little something to proceedings uh and you're right it, it potentially we could have had a bit of a dull race in saudi arabia i reckon because uh it could have been an easy one too for the ds to cheetah squad if they hadn't moved their penalties well maybe we should get on a little bit more to the, the actual race itself in terms of the specifics as you said antonio felix de costa did win he won from pole position and i seem to remember in the season preview you said that if a bmw can qualify on pole then they could probably win and you can take that as a as a win and you being you being correct you have to qualify that a little bit but let's talk about how that happened i mean the, the first thing was the fact that de costa seemed to you know he, he drove a good race but the one thing he seemed to get wrong was even before the start and he had that problem coming up to the grid yes he said that he was looking at the wrong line as he approached the grid because he wasn't it, where, where the cars lined up uh, when they exited the pit lane that was the dummy grid and then they all toured around very slowly onto the main straight where, where the lights were set up so turn one was uh, actually turn 18 obviously um but w- yeah so he he lined up sort of facing towards the wall but he still managed to get a very good launch and and, and go on from there um I'm very glad that I was proved to be correct with that call, but I have to say I would have been utterly proved wrong had uh, the DST Cheetah guys not got their penalties because they had both got ahead of the BMW. So he may have started in front, but he did end up getting overtaken. Well, this, this is the interesting thing because the obviously John Eric Verne came through to first place and then Lotter did get up to second and it wasn't stage before the penalties. But the thing that struck me there was that it, it just shows the quality, not just of the DS powertrain, but also the technical cheater, as I like to call them, team clearly they've got a good understanding of what they need to do to get the best out of the package and the thing I really like was Vern in particular there just seemed to be this sort of passing on will kind of thing Lotter had a few more robust moves but it just seemed like a team and drivers very much in control of, of the situation completely and if you look at Vern's overtakes just the and Lotter as well to a certain extent they were just so much better on the brakes than anyone else and there were a couple of wild exciting moves but some of them were also just really you know really easy passes so well done to them uh, we will probably come on to Audi a little bit later, but Alan Manish said that their struggles in Saudi Arabia were to do setup. So it possibly suggests that Tachita and, and DS just, just nailed it for this one and they just had it 
perfectly going. But also, you know, that that they were right right in amongst it in testing, and we we did sort of tip them as, as saying that you know they you know they were up there with Audi and BMW and not to be discounted. And uh, you know, they proved last year they can be a very effective race team. They did a lot of, lot of time prepping stuff in the simulator, and then they went on and beat the Renault Works team last year, which was which was pretty impressive. So really good really good really encouraging for that team obviously ultimately it was a disappointing result because what happened was they were both Vern and Lotterick got drive through penalties for basically the rule that they broke is that when they when they when they were braking and the regen kicks in so this is where you're harvesting your power to the battery yes um it if effectively it's sort of wheel spin or hitting a bump is what what a lot you know a lot of the a lot of the blame was placed on and it sends, it spikes the energy. So it's a software error that sends the energy very, very briefly above what's allowed. So if it's, if you're in attack mode, 250, sorry, 225 kilowatts or the normal is, is, two, is 200 kilowatts. So, and also there's limits on how much uh, regen you can do, how much a- actual power you can be doing there. So that was what they were found guilty of. In so there it's basically the a spike in instantaneous regen. Exactly. So it's no, it's not, it's not like performance advantage, but it is, it's a clear breach of the rules. So you have to be penalised. So do what, they penalise any spike at all or is there a little bit of tolerance if it goes over I'm, my understanding is that it's black and white it's that okay. you know you must you must calibrate your software to eliminate that so what tends to happen is that that these sort of this sort of stuff happens a lot in practice and the teams see it happening they i think uh, the one when, it, when people were caught uh, this happening in practice they were fine i think it was a thousand euros so that's you know that's that's fine they just go okay right we, we, we put a, implement a little fix and um, it's fine for the race. To cheat that, that actually did happen. It actually happened in, uh, I think it was Shakedown, or was it? Uh, oh no, no, it was. It was. It was the. They eventually got practice. They got thirty-five minutes of practice. But that was still not because of the, basically there was rain on race day. Of course, we went to the desert for the first race and it rained. Um, and it had been wet, obviously, in the practice session, wouldn't it? Or damp at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was certainly a drying track. Uh, they've got all weather tires, so obviously they could go out. But it, when the original practice sessions were cancelled, it's because there were pools of standing water because the track was so undulating. So. What Tachita team principal Mark Preston explained to me later, again, this is another bit of insight that we wouldn't have had on our original podcast because uh, I hadn't spoken to him when we'd recorded that. If they had had the normal amount of practice, they would have found that, been able to fix it, and hopefully gone on in the race. But that, what actually happened was that they just, their, their little fix, it happened again, and they, they got penalised, and it cost them, I think it cost them a one-two. Oh, well, I think 100%. Well, if you look at it, Jean-Eric Verne still came through to second. Andre Alter was fifth in the end, even after a, a drive-through, which is a, which is pretty pretty costly. There were some other penalties going around. So were, they, were these for the same things, or were they different offences? Massa, for example, got a couple of penalties, didn't he, on, on his debut? So he had so he had a drive-through penalty in the race for exactly the same thing. Uh, but he was also given two penalties post-race, which dropped him from 14th to 17th in the final uh, result. Because he, he'd won the fan boost, or he was one of the winners of the fan boost, I should say. Yeah, it was no uh, surprise. There were five winners of fan boost, weren't they? Right Van Dorn and Massa, the two. Yeah, uh, Van Dorn comprehensively won it more than anyone else. He got the most votes. Um and what Massa did was he actually activated it before the 22nd minute of the race, which in season five, that's that's a new rule. You're not allowed to activate it before that. So he got initial five seconds given, uh, added onto his race time for that. And then it also turned out that he was using, it was, it was, he was above the, the number of the actual allowed amount of energy you're supposed to use with fan boost. So he was given another 25 second penalty in lieu of a drive through, which dropped him down. But the actual in-race drive-through cost him what would have been a points-paying finish. And he was, you know, first racing Formula E. There was no sort of, oh, I'm just here to collect a paycheck and continue my career for a few more years. He had his elbows out. There was at one point where he, he pulled off a move on the inside. I think it was going into the last corner. It was three wide. And he did the same to Stoffel Van Dorn a few, a few uh, you know, later on in the race. It, there were some really impressive moves from Massa. And I think he, he acquitted himself well in his first outing. Yeah, it was good to see him being, uh, being feisty.
obviously, I, I guess at this point we should mention Van Dorn as well, who qualified very, very strongly, slipped back in the race, but I'm not sure the HWA package was, I think that was more a question of him qualifying above where the where the package should have been and then kind of regressing to, to the mean almost yeah in, in Formula E things are very much equalised in qualifying because the, you, you all run at the same at the, the, the absolute maximum power you can so what an impressive performance fourth place there against you know you know De Costa uh, Lopez and Buemi very experienced in Formula E they're the ones who qualified ahead of him so really good job there from Van Dorn yeah I think HWA were sort of you know it was their first race they sort of, there's a little bit of like oh what you know they didn't really know what to not not they didn't know what to expect but sort of that you get into grips with Formula E and how it worked uh, but we think also Van Dorn may have hit a wall at some point and that's what also harmed his race so things to work on definitely it's good for for Stoffel van Dorn, obviously coming straight off the back of a very difficult Formula One season. It's good to see him, you know, a good, good qualifying performance. We've just started the whole Formula E experience off on a positive note for him, which I think is is quite important. So hopefully that's that's even though the race wasn't perhaps what he'd have been hoping for, it sort of pulls him out of that that spiral. So uh, yeah, very positive to see. Indeed, and uh, just just speaking to him, like I, I chatted to him in Valencia, and I, I did, did sort of it wasn't difficult, but you could just sort of sense that he was still not very happy, and obviously he was still in the in, in racing for McLaren at the time. And that's very understandable. In uh, in Saudi Arabia the weekend, he was a breath of fresh air. Really, he was really seemed enthused and happy about what was going on. So, that's good. I mean, he's, he's a good guy, Van Dorn. He's a very very good driver. Uh, he was in very difficult circumstances this year, and while it's true to say in Formula One, he wasn't able to do what Alonso was able to do, and kind of grab the car by the scruff of the neck you know Van Dorn is still a very classy driver and I hope he'll be able to show that as the Formula E season progresses well we should talk a little bit more about BMW because this is BMW's debut it's the Andretti team obviously who have been in there since the beginning in Formula E but you know it's a big deal we talk about the manufacturers coming in but this is a big manufacturer coming in winning on debut and even though there's a little bit of good fortune to it pole and a win first time out that's that's extremely positive absolutely and uh, like you say it's sort of it's weird to say it's their debut because they have been the technical partner of Andretti for so long and also we had this weird thing in the, uh, at the end of the race when they were on the podium and the British national anthem played so you've got a German manufacturer who are the works team we have an American squad who oh, so they still own the entry uh, but they're because the actual Formula E team is based in Britain so that's where their license is so that explains why we had uh, God Save the Queen playing as opposed to the other two anthems but yeah the, you know impressive stuff from BMW um, the motorsport boss Jens Marquard apologies I, you know I can't pronounce anybody's surnames which is ironic given, that's given, given my own one um, which you do a very good job of pronouncing I must say it uh, did it take long to learn that or? I think I think probably I did the trick of asking you how to pronounce it and then I remembered Cool. I mean, perhaps that's what I should do. It's, it's a good trick. Yeah. yeah, just polite. Keep it simple. And uh, he said, yeah, historic moment. Uh, couldn't ask for anything better. Pole on debut, win on debut. Also didn't expect it, even though they topped all three days of testing. I said, you know, did you expect to come here and win? He said, no, it just pays off, you know, our hard work. Uh, but what Antonio Felix da Costa, who was absolutely delighted in the paddock afterwards, uh, and I think there was a lot of goodwill towards him from the Formula E people. He's a popular guy, yeah, as well yeah, as a quick driver. Yeah. And his last win in Formula E was back in season one in Buenos Aires. And amazingly, I think we said this in our in our season preview podcast. He'd not been on the podium since, which is quite you know quite quite astounding. Really. Well, I think we talked about him as a. I think Jack Nichols compellingly argued this that we need to want to see a little bit more from Antonio Felix da Costa because he is a very quick driver. He was he got quite close to getting into Formula One, but then things went wrong in Formula One three point five, and it, and he missed out. He's always been very quick, and he's a likable character. But there's always just been this feeling in recent years, certainly from my point, that he hasn't quite got the best out of himself. So. Maybe this win's a nice, a nice foundation for him. Mm. Well, he certainly got the best out of everything this weekend. And what was what was interesting was you heard him on the radio after the race was how in control he was of everything. Like it was genuinely, there was still a sense of like, 
you know, it wasn't just like, oh my God, this is amazing, look what we've done. It was like, guys, we nailed this, well done, excellent. And he sort of hinted at that when I spoke to him afterwards. He said, you know, in a way, he said, it's a, it's a good thing that DS probably should have won this and, and, and that they maybe have the upper hand on this because he said, you know, that just gives us more encouragement to work even harder because we want to maintain this. We want to do this again. And, he, you know, he, 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 you know, you sort of accept that. Yes, DS probably would have won this race, but it gives BMW room to work scope to work with and it does sort of it's interesting the testing form has carried on they were the quickest guys over one lap and other guys better in the race well how about the the overall competitive order we've kind of got technical cheater as i still like to call them up front bmw clearly strong uh, we saw mahindra on the podium as you're d'ambrosio who's moved there jaguar with mitch evans uh, fourth place audi a little bit disappointing neo who looked strong on the long runs in valencia and top your long run pace yep seemed, i was, seemed to struggle i was roundly mocked in our original recording for that so let's let, you know as i always say that you can only go on the data that's that's put in front of you and and the simple fact is you know as alexander sims as our guest on that podcast said valencia isn't a very representative circuit but it's all we've got <laughs> and all you've got is lap times and what and what you can see so well, exactly. And uh, you do wonder if there was an element of sandbagging going on as well. Perhaps people not wanting to show their hand. Maybe Neo or, or not need, showed everything. Or not needing to. Exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah. Because um, I never think... I always think when it comes to sandbagging, it's not as if if people go a little bit quicker, suddenly everyone else is going to respond. Everyone's trying to make things as quick as mm. possible. But sometimes it's not the most constructive thing to do with your with your time. There's other things you're working on. Indeed. And, and Mark Preston said that he'd spoken to Jean-Eric Verne in testing and one of the things he, he took away from that was that Vern said, look, I, I'm, I feel very good, but there is, I was well within myself. So maybe it was the fact that they got to the first like proper competitive wheels turning in anger part of the season. And that's what pushed them, spurred them forward. And, and we saw it more clearly. What was interesting about the competitive order is where Audi finished in this race, because eighth and ninth for Daniel Apton, Lucas Degrassi for the reigning team's champion. That's a, that's a, that's a poor start. It's better than last year when they didn't have any points until, you know, you know, quite a long way into the season, but there was a general air of massive disappointment at that team after the race. And Apt himself was almost not emotional, but you could just see he couldn't, he wasn't, he hadn't processed what had happened very well after the race. It was just like, we had absolutely no pace, you know, compared to last season. It's nowhere sort of thing. And um, it's worth noting as well that it wasn't just the Audi team, the, the apt Audi team, because the, the Virgin team has moved from DS to Audi powertrains. And they were, uh, well, they 11th and 12th with Sam Bird and uh, Robin Friends. So they were indeed. That, that paints a picture of, you know, a power unit package that, that isn't quite where it should be. Possibly. But what I would say about that is that the grassy bird and Frines were all all had their best times deleted in qualifying because of that energy spike it, for them it, I, i'm not sure it was uh well they, they, they what they said was they hit a bump and that's what caused the spike in qualifying so they that put them right the way down the order but bird it's when i spoke to him um at the in-season at the in-season test on sunday he confidently said he could have been on the podium because he thinks that genuinely virgin were better than the works out he's got this weekend we can't disprove that um, and they did come through the field, didn't get to any any points, but it's it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting dynamic there. I, you know, I said, what do you put that down to? And he said, well, look, it's it's the quality of our of our team, as you'd expect him to. Obviously, of course, he's going to want to big up his team. But it would be it'd be interesting if we get to Marrakesh and Virgin is a, does does you know do put one over on the on the actual Audi squad. Yeah, an interesting uh, interesting subplot. Of course, we should say there's a big caveat to this weekend. It's the first event. The practice compromises with with the rain, etc., clearly had an impact on things. But it's interesting to kind of look at what what the order is. So ultimately, uh, the the lead, the lead out to Audis came through to finish behind the the Edams, Nissans of Bohemian Roland. So it kind of feels like maybe they're in that best of the rest 
sort of sort of area. And then it's a question of whether Tachita's advantage is, is it continues to be as big because that was quite a comfortable win without the penalties, a comfortable mm. one too. Almost had it quite easy. And then where all these other teams, Mahindra's, etc., fit in with uh, fit in with it. Yeah, there's certainly questions about whether it was a track specific thing, both for Tachita's advantage and for sort of Audi and, and, and Nissan not not perhaps having the ultimate pace. Nissan and, and Audi being best of the rest. But what, what was what I found particularly amusing was that I spent all of Valencia asking, you know, who do, what do you think is the order is? What, what's going to happen? And everyone was saying, oh, we'll have to wait for the first race. We have to wait for the first race. Now I've had the first race. As soon as you ask that question again, it's, well, it's only the first race. So we have to wait for another one. Slightly frustrating. It's, it's always the way. People never want to commit to where things are. They'll all have, an, they'll all have a good picture of what, what's possible and where things could, could be. Of course, the trouble is you can always look at things and say, well, if we'd had the weekend we should have done, we'd have been there. But then, of course you're not necessarily the only ones who are in that situation. So while you could maybe point to people who were ahead of you because they had a strong run, there's others uh, There's others there who could who could have been ahead of you after all. I think the thing that really struck me, because uh, I obviously turned on the race to watch it on te- television, not entirely sure what to expect. And considering it is a big change on the powertrains, of course these cars are going full di- full race distances now. So big, big, big change in the, in the, the technology there. The overall competitive spread didn't seem to be too bad. It wasn't like people were five seconds off the back. It, it looked like a, a relatively tight, credible bunch. So it won't take much for people to move a few places up the order if they get uh, if they get a better understanding of how to maximise what uh, their their powertrains. It was certainly close up at the front. In that once Vern got ahead, he didn't completely dropped Acosta because as we said in Formula there's no point just wasting he your energy. He didn't need to, did he? Yeah. No, you sort, of, you sort of hold it hold it back a little bit. But what I pointed out in my Autosport magazine report, which you'll be able to read from Thursday, before the safety car, Daniel Apt as the lead Audi driver was 27 seconds behind the leader. That's quite a big gap considering it's not a massively long race by that point. So it's close and competitive, but there are, there are still a little bit of little bit of breakup in 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 the field yeah, but so again but of we, course we, he turned to make a place as well though, wasn't he so yeah was. fighting in the pack exactly so there are things and again like they, they, i don't want to be completely down on audi because as we saw last year they came absolutely roaring back but certainly i don't expect it i didn't expect them to be that far away so who's your money on for the championship do we think that technical cheetah is is the runaway favorite now Yep, so on Sunday when we had our failed first attempt at recording this, I nailed my colours firmly to the DST to master. I think they're going to win the championship. I'm going to double down on that. I, I'm, I confidently say, with all the caveats of, oh, it's only been one race, it might be different at different tracks, um, based on what we saw, just based on what we saw in Saudi Arabia, they looked to be on another level. And Boemi said, when I spoke to him afterwards, that he wasn't in their league in terms of, like, you know, he fought them as well as he could, but he was just like, yep, yeah, they're on another level. So from what, from what we've seen so far, they're, they're the favourites. I guess we should mention the one piece of news over the weekend was Jean-Eric Verne signing a new deal to keep him with that team. Not a great surprise because we know how heavily involved in that team he is. He's not just a just a driver. We spoke about that with him when we had him as a guest on the podcast uh, a few months ago. If you check back through our feed, you'll be able to find that if you want to hear from, from Jean-Eric Verne. But it shows that, that that kind of coherent unit is is clearly only going to get stronger. Yeah, you'd think so. And it, they seem to be a very close-knit bunch. And, and that sort of, there was a lot made last season of how well Vern and Lotterer got on with each other. And Vern said, you know, he took he actually took the decision to help Lotterer as he came into Formula E. Uh, Lotterer, very impressive at the weekend. Again, he was frustrated that a penalty cost him a good result because that seemed to happen quite a lot towards He's the end of He's good fun. He's a good, robust driver. He's not afraid to do a little bit of panel bashing. Oh, yeah. So a, a, a deal bag Gil at Mahindra said that there was a, what he called a very firm love tap from Lotterer on, uh, on Jerome D'Ambrosio that broke D'Ambrosio's diffuser. But interestingly, it shows you 
you that because I asked this question in pre-season testing what happens if those massive diffusers on the Formula E cars get broken um, and Boemi said then well actually because there's so little downforce on these cars it's not going to make a huge amount of difference and it obviously didn't because D'Ambrosio finished third which is an impressive result for him on his first race for Mahindra so yeah, good that Vern's sticking around with DS. He's obviously very happy there. What I am, what I think could be a very interesting thing to watch over the course of this season, though, is will that friendship between Vern and Lotterer survive a championship battle between the two of them? Could we be looking at a Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg situation in well, Formula E? You can have no doubt that Lotterer will be sitting there thinking he's a championship contender. And we saw, what was it, last year where they had the... Uh, Santiago. The, Santiago, yeah, really ferocious battle. They mm-hmm. could have had both of them in the wall while, while battling for for the lead wasn't it it was yeah so he's obviously not afraid to uh, put things on the line so yeah that's, I think that's one to watch over the course of the season one person we haven't really mentioned other than in the context of him being guests on the podcast was Alexander Sims and the other BMW obviously Antonio Felix da Costa one Sims was down and classified 18th in the end but he did run what was it ninth for the early stages if, yeah if, qualified if, mem- if memory serves and I, it looked like he did a pretty pretty decent job but it's just one of those races that didn't go for him. Yeah, it was sort of an unfortunate day for for Sims in that in qualifying he was one of the one of the drivers affected quite heavily by basically because of the what the delays for the sessions they changed qualifying to how it normally is. So we had two groups, uh, Group A and Group B, to go out and do their laps. And towards the end of Group B that he was in, uh, Felix Rosenquist had a problem with something that he said actually ended his race as well, which some sort of pos- they suspected it was a transmission thing that uh, caused him to go off into the barriers in qualifying. Uh, and as that. As that happened, there were quite a few drivers, including teams behind him on the circuit. And one of the marshals put erroneously put out a red flag. It was never actually called, or we don't think it was actually called by race control. So everyone was affected by that, and that put Sims down the order in qualifying. And then in the race, again, he had one of these uh, energy spikes. For him, it was actually exceeding 200 kilowatts. It wasn't the regen problem. Uh, but that gave him a drive-through, uh, which obviously wrecked his race. And then it happened again. So he got a 10-second stop-and-go penalty, uh, which just yeah, firmly put him out of contention. Uh, we should also uh, we should also talk about what happened the day after the race with the with the test that that went on. Uh, so what what was that about? Who was running there? Because we saw some regular names and some unusual names. And again, the advanced you recording the podcast is the the test sessions have, have finished, which they haven't quite. When I spoke no, to you uh, on Sunday, indeed, no. The order, the top three uh, had completely changed after after we uh, after we um, recorded on Sunday. So what what it was was that uh, at the request of the organisers of the event. Um, teams were allowed to run two cars if they uh, put a female driver in, in in one of them so the other car could be the normal race drivers or test drivers that the teams employ but the other one had to be female drivers so only two teams opted not to do that which were Audi who just fielded Nico Muller and Jaguar who had Mitch Evans doing all the running uh, so Sam Bird topped the test for Virgin so you know again encouraging stuff for Virgin there uh, Jean-Eric Verne put um, DS second uh, Oliver Rowland uh, in a car he shared with Carmen Jorda put Nissan third uh, ahead of Stoffel van Dorn, Evans, Muller, Mortara from fin- Finchuri. Uh, then Jose Maria Lopez had um, the, the car that he shared with Pippa Mann in eighth place. And then D'Ambrosio, uh, Simone Di Silvestro uh, was the sort of, I, th- I think, I think from my understanding, because it's basically very unclear on the timing, he was actually in the cars and there was no TV at the time. But I think we can say that Simone Di Silvestro was the top uh, top of the female drivers. That Which perhaps no surprise, test. obviously. IndyCar fame, briefly tested for Sauber. And raced in Formula E for a long time. Exactly, well, yeah. Australian supercars uh, she's appeared in as well, so uh, uh, an accomplished driver. 
indeed. Um, uh, uh, and yeah, so that 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 was Sunday. There were a couple of big accidents. Apparently, Tom Dillman had quite a, quite a big accident in uh, teammate Oliver Turvey's car. So I'm sure that would have gone down well. Well, the next Formula E round will be Marrakesh E-Prix in Morocco on the 12th of January. Expecting it to go to similar form book when we get there? Would have thought so, yeah. BMW again very strong in qualifying and towards the front and uh, and, and, and DS there's no re- there's no I see no reason why they shouldn't lose what advantage we saw in Saudi Arabia. We're very interesting to see if Audi can can hit back there uh, and whether it was again they just they needed that little bit more time in practice and uh, and she said that sort of it threw them out of kilter. They never really hit the sweet spot of the car. So if they can do that in Marrakesh, hopefully we have a lovely three way fight with the Nissans and you know, Lopez and, and, and Mahindra with Dan Brogio, if they can get in amongst it again. Also, we've got Pascal Verlein will be making his debut for Mahindra. Because Felix uh, so Rosencrest had a, had a temporary one-race comeback, didn't he? He did. It was nice to see him back, actually. And, and he said, you know, he, he's not ruling out coming back to Formula E in the future because, um, you know, he's obviously... He's, He's going to go off to IndyCar. He was like, I've got an opportunity there. It was like a once-in-a-lifetime thing that I couldn't turn it down. So it's a shame to see him go because he's a lovely addition to the paddock. Uh, unfortunately, the race in Saudi Arabia really didn't quite go. It wasn't the, the the victorious swan song that I'm sure he was hoping for. Uh, like I said, I think uh, the um, the transmission, suspected transmission thing at the rear of the car that uh, caught him out in qualifying happened again in the race and he didn't finish. So I said to him afterwards, because I was going around canvassing opinions on attack mode, and he just went, never got that far, it's far enough to use it. <laughs> Well, I guess the, the, the bottom line about the, the first weekend is that while there's still some things to be ironed out and improved, and obviously there are reasons for the penalties that happen, but they're, they're never good to have. They, they do irritate people watching, so they want to see the races decided on track. There's a few areas they can improve the graphics and the attack mode and various bits and pieces, but we have seen in the past championships when they've gone to a new car and had a big step change in the technology, things have, have unravelled, and there was a point for a few years in Formula Row, this this sort of the fifth season was a long way in the future, but then suddenly it's here, and the fact that we're able to have a relatively normal race and kind of everything's now back in the swing of things, and it, it, it's an encouraging foundation point for this this kind of next step up for for Formula E. Completely, it's a very very strong start to the to the Gen Two era, and if you think about where Formula E was in season one, where I think it was around the sort of the Miami race, and they were really like Alejandro Gerg has said, like they were they were on the verge of properly going out of business. It's come on massively strongly, and as you say, the switch to a new car can always be a dangerous moment for any series. But the fact that they've got all these manufacturers and all this you know this general positivity around it. And people really, you know, investing in it is is, is a re- it was always a really good sign. And as we saw from the race, there was no there were no there were no calamities. It I from what I watched, it was just as exciting and as close as it ever was. So you know, hats off to Formula E. Um, hopefully that continues over the rest of the season. Yeah, let's hope they build on that promising start. Uh, well, please check out autosport.com for all the, the latest on the world of Formula E, Formula 1, the rest of the motorsport world, and check out the Plus subscriber area as well, where for a small fee you can read the world's best motorsport journalists, including, of course, Alex Kalanorkas on Formula E. I also edit that section, so yeah, please, everyone, uh, do uh, check that out as much as you can. And you, it's, You're just trying to get you know, all the credit now. Well, you know, as you say, it's where our best journalism goes, so, uh, you know, have to take a little bit of credit there. Absolutely, and, and why not? And also, you can read Alex's in-depth race analysis in Thursday's Autosport magazine. Please have a look at Sister titles motorsport.com f1 racing magazine out monthly and motorsport news out every wednesday and if you fancy a flutter please download the pit stop betting app thanks for joining us we'll be back soon with another autosport podcast
Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.